Talking Aliens. Released in 1986, written and directed by James Cameron from a story by Walter Hill and Dave Gilter. Starring the sensational Sigourney Weaver, the cute Carrie Henn, and the miraculous Michael Bin. So Chris, hit me with your thoughts. Let's get it on. Why don't you put her in charge? Game over, man. This was the first time I've ever watched this movie. <laughs> Honest to God. Um, I streamed it off of um, Crave. And I had um, a Mandela effect. I've never watched the theatrical cut of this movie. It's always been the James Cameron special edition. So when I watched it, I'm like, all these scenes, I'm like, wait, the where's this where's that and i'm like telling my kids like oh i like this scene coming up like the sentry guns and all of a sudden they're like looking at me like it's never so you have always seen the those extra like 16 or 17 minutes yeah every version i've ever watched has always been that like so for those of you who haven't seen the extended cut of this film there there is some important information so i would say like one is that you find out that ripley's daughter has basically gotten old and died while she was in hypersleep. So that kind of gives her the emotional weight when she is dealing with Newt, like that motherly instinct. But when you just cut that out, you think that like, oh, this lady's just kind of like got some crazy mom stuff going on or whatever. Yeah, like you, thinking back, like the whole, why I think the whole special edition or special, whatever you want to call it, extended edition is way better is because it, it gives more resonance to Ripley's story. You you get more of she's a woman out of time. Like she's been there for 50 years, frozen in sleep. And then to wake up knowing like at the start of Aliens, I'm going to come back for your birthday. She comes back, her daughter's dead, right? Exactly. And then there is also some more footage with the... Um, Colony, colony, uh, like Newt's parents and stuff going out to uh, LV426. Yeah, you and get to see how it is there before. Exactly. Aliens, and I, I remember seeing it a couple times and being like, wait a minute, like if the aliens have been, you know, running around this long, how did nobody find out about this? And it wasn't until you Burr. get that and you realize that it's like, it's not until Ripley comes back that Burr sends them out. And then I'm, there's some other lines in the film that make a whole lot more sense. Yeah. Right? Like, he basically sent them out there to have this happen to them. Yeah, sort of fine to yeah. see if she was telling the truth. Yeah, but it was more... You see more how the colony was more like a Wild West. Like, everything is about the claim. Right? Like, they're there to make claim to make money. Right? It's just the grunts. Like just out there trying to make a living and then the whole conversation from what i remember was newt's parents discussing how much they're gonna make if they actually do find something there from burke right and that was the whole motivation was money yeah which is basically the whole burr and the company's motivation yeah for everything uh so speaking of carter burke uh, Paul Reiser plays him and an interesting piece of trivia with that is he did such a good job of being a douche that uh, at the premiere his sister actually like punched him in the stomach like you're such a piece of garbage 
for playing such a shitty, <laughs> shitty corporate entity. You know what I mean? So, I mean, nothing says you did a good job like your own family, like wanting to do physical violence to you, right? So. <laughs> What's happening to you all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on a regular basis. Um, okay, so, I mean, if you don't know, this is Aliens. It is the sequel to... Alien, which was directed by Ridley Scott in 1979. Um, this one came out in 1986. Uh, on a budget of $18 million, grossed roughly $180 million, which is about $422 million in today's dollars. Number five all time for 86. So that would mean that there was four other films. Like this, this film was huge. That means that in 86, there were four other films that were that massive so what what were those films do you do you know do, what those films do, were? yes i do do you want it like one two three four or do you want four no no let's 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 like go from a so we know Down number up. five, number five is up. aliens okay number four was back to school with rodney dangerfield oh wow really i love that really? movie but really like, <laughs> I, would, I would not put that in my my list of top grossing films of 86 uh trivia question but fair enough number three was an also a sequel Karate Kid Part 2. Wow. Okay. Wow. I mean, I guess it was good, but it's not Aliens good. Well, it could have been Time Frame 2, 79 to 86. And what was Karate Kid? The first Karate Kid. Was that 1980 or something like that? 1981? I don't even know. But I think the time frame was closer to... Oh, you're talking about like release date, like from yeah. when when Karate Kid came out. Yeah, and more when people Karate are... Kid Two came out. Yeah, so Karate Kid One was '84. Oh wow! So like basically they made it, made money, and they were back in the studio shooting it and out. Yeah, so more top of mind, right? So, but and before we finish up with Yurasu, and so one of the reasons that didn't happen with Aliens or Alien Two, as they originally called it, um, was that Fox originally wanted to do one right after 1979. Uh, but then there was a bunch of problems with people getting paid out uh, the way they were supposed to off the first film. So that got delayed. And then new management came in and it just stalled the whole project out. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Number two. Crocodile Dundee. The original, the first Crocodile Dundee? Yes. Yeah, man. That's Because I didn't say two at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a sick movie, man. That's really good. That's not a knife. So... Okay, so, like, what... I mean, those are all big films. We, we know of all those. Your favorite, but... Top Gun. Oh, yeah. You know what? I can totally see that. Top Gun is uh, probably a perfect movie. You know, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> it's not perfect. <laughs> Fighter jets and, like, you know... I feel the need, the need for... It's got great one-liners, which so does Aliens, let's be honest. It has, like, great one-liners, um, really great character development. Lots of stuff gets blown up. Lots of stuff gets shot. Um... Yeah, so that's it. So it was number five on the list of top grossing films of 1986. Correct. So Aliens, interesting enough, is written and directed by James Cameron. Correct. But he hadn't really done anything of note, not on a big scale, when they greenlit this picture for him. He uh, had written the screenplay for Terminator, which obviously becomes this massive film. But it wasn't like he did Terminator and then they went, oh, wow, that went really well. Could you also do this? It was basically like they knew they wanted to do Alien 2 at the time, which became Aliens. 
and saw his screenplay and went, oh, okay, this could work. And then it actually got, he, so basically he wrote a 45 page treatment for aliens and they went, yeah, we're going to put that on hold because the original movie didn't make a ton of money. New management at Fox was just like, I don't know if this is really something that's going to go anywhere, have any legs, as they say. Um, and luckily, because he was shooting Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, there was a delay because Arnold was shooting Conan the Destroyer. And because of that, Cameron was able to go back and write 90 pages of an actual script which Fox saw and then was like, oh, wow. So if this other film that you're doing for the, you know, the first big massive film for us does well, we'll now also let you do this. I mean, that's crazy. Like that's like such a huge amount of money to just put on a director that you haven't really worked with. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think sometimes talent just speaks out, right? Like it, for whatever you want to say, like James Cameron is talented. Like oh, he knows 100%. story. Like 100%. people make fun of Titanic, they make fun of Avatar with the blue cat. But these are two of the top grossing films. Okay, well, what do you think of the script of Aliens? Like what do you think of the script, the dialogue and stuff like that? Like are we talking the one I remember or the one I I saw for the first time? The theatrical. They're roughly the same script. Yeah. There's just some extra stuff in it. No, I think what he does is he takes the homage from Alien and changes it from a claustrophobic horror film mm-hmm. into an all-out war movie. And that's what Aliens is, right? It's the Marines coming in to fuck shit up, right? And then getting fucked up. Give like, the aliens yes. rock them in it, yeah. like, no problem. True, because they were going in blind, but that's obviously story. So to that point, uh, when James Cameron was writing this script, he was really inspired by America's involvement in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of like a heavily tech, heavily overconfident group of soldiers that get themselves into a situation with a, a much more determined enemy that's maybe not as technologically advanced, but much more committed to the fight. And I mean, it, it's pretty obvious even when you watch the film, you're like, yeah, this guy is definitely saying something about American like imperialism uh, and, and dealing with like an enemy that's much more capable than they are. Yeah. But also, I think what makes it... Sorry. What makes it good is you had it's just the pluralization that you had one alien that fucked up a ship the first time yeah now seeing what they have adding the whole mythology of the queen i don't like the whole like how she makes the eggs personally <laughs> i i just find it so the whole queen the queen thing is it's gross, man. I, it, the queen always bugs me. Uh, it's well done. It's like really, really creepy. Every yeah. time it's like laying that egg, I'm like, Ugh, like I don't like it. I, I really like the fact that Ripley, you know, tries to fuck her up. But let's be honest, when we will get to that part where the reality is, is if Ripley would have just got the hell out of there, a lot of other stuff would not have happened. So, what do you mean? So Ripley gets new. She's, you know, getting ready to leave. And yeah, she like basically is, you know, threatening the queen with this idea of like, I'm going to burn up all your eggs. The queen keeps some of the alien creatures back. Mm -hmm. If she would have just like left, 
she would have been in a much better position. But what does she do? So first she lights everything on fire, which maybe that's fine. But when she starts shooting the grenades at the queen into her egg sac, that's what like blows up and allows the queen to like rip away from the egg sac. And then of course, what does the queen do? Chases her, kills everybody else. And you know, rips um, Bishop in half. So, you know, you could have just got the hell out of there. Yeah, but that was, for me, that that was Ripley's moment, right? Like, that was her overcoming the fear she had at the beginning. She faced her fears with the alien, right? And she was just, like, fucking blowing it away because it's not going to scare her anymore. Sure, and and I can totally appreciate that statement. But, I mean, the reality is this place is going to blow up in five minutes uh, you probably should be more preoccupied with not getting blown up along with this queen. You know what I mean? Yeah, but with all those drones or the little other aliens there, yeah, she wouldn't have gotten out anyways. But she did get out. Yeah, because she was fucking blowing them apart. She could have blown them apart. What I'm saying is <laughs> by... Uh, shooting the grenades at the queen, it allowed the queen to get out, and it wasn't any of the other aliens that actually end up really giving Ripley any problems. It's the queen when she comes up onto the deck, and then she ends up getting on the dropship and getting back on the Sulaku. So my position is you probably should have just, like, you said your piece, (laughs) vamoose, man, like, get out of there. Um, I do want to talk about the... The writing is really, really well done. Like, you know, typically you think like 80s movie, you think like lots of stuff blows up, lots of like muscle bound people, you know, commando, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the script writing is really good and the casting is really well done. Like the acting, like the actual level of the acting. And I don't want to like nerd out on that too much, but you actually feel like empathy for these characters. You like them. You care when they die. They are very three-dimensional, even some of the characters that are not on screen for a lot of time, um, like Apone, the sergeant and stuff like that. Like you, you, you care that he's, you know, in this crazy firefight and there's aliens everywhere and stuff like that. Um, and Sigourney Weaver's acting is, is fantastic. Like there's a reason that she was nominated for an Academy Award is because, you know, even though she's in this like space army movie, um, She's not playing it like that. She's playing it real. There's some like mm-hmm. real choices being made there. There's some real emotional range. Um, yeah, like I said, I think that I think James you know, James Cameron did a fantastic job with the script. Um, would you or can you compare the right since he wrote Terminator Two and he wrote Aliens? Do you feel that the writing and the acting is the same, like the same level? Do, well, first off, do you even agree with what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I believe the story's good. And I think what what he did in terms of aliens was building blocks. He had to get to Abyss first, right? Write his little science fiction, just deep water stuff. But then build upon what he did on aliens and make T2. But even take that and then writing true lies... I think that takes what he did in in both films and takes it up an even notch. And you can see like homages to him with Michael Bay and all that style is if you don't have those any of that without James Cameron and how he writes and how he films. No, no, no. Yeah, I, and I totally agree. Like his effect on the the film industry and stuff like that. I'm just talking about like his 
dialogue, his character development in Aliens, and do you think that this it was at the same level in Terminator and some of his other films? Obviously, True yeah. Lies is a basically a dramedy. It's it's very well developed and very well fleshed out. It has to be because it's all character based. No, exactly, I, and I think he does, and I think. You could say in terms of him and the Alien franchise, even though, like, to me, this is one of the best, like, uh, Xenomorph. Yeah. It, it, it was actually detrimental to the, to the franchise. Like, no one's been able to, to do what he's done. Yeah. Right? Think- even Ridley Scott coming back. Well, Ridley Scott and even was it David Finchner? Yeah, did David three? Fincher doesn't really like these, count. but these are all like great directors. And I, yeah, I would say that. Okay, how do you think Aliens compares to Alien? The same as Godfather Two to Godfather, it takes upon it and makes it better. Because I, I think it kind of falls into the same class as like Empire Strikes Back. It's the perfect sequel. Yeah, like, it's the perfect sequel. It's better. almost. Better, yeah, because you do have some background, right? Like you yeah. know, you know about Ellen Ripley, you know about the Xenomorph and stuff like that. So, this is actually an interesting fact: is that Fox originally balked at um, Sigourney Weaver's rate. So they had asked, they originally asked, she, she asked for a certain amount of money, and they were like, "Eh, hey, can, James Cameron, can you just like get rid of that character?" it's like imagine aliens without ellen ripley in it you know what i mean wow like it's it's not the movie like that is it's not the movie that it is that's the thing but i think i think well if you look at now these prequels right it can work like i liked covenant it's not as good as yeah but aliens takes place you know you've got this script already written right Mm -hmm. and you're just like oh so Sigourney Weaver is in every single scene of Aliens. So now imagine being told by the studio, go through every single scene and take out the main protagonist. <laughs> There's no way she's in every single scene. She's in every scene. You should look it up. Doesn't mean every shot, but she's in every scene. See, now you got me thinking. Okay. Yeah, think, like, like, you, can, you can check after this and, and yeah. going back. And even just in your mind, just play it through. Like, yeah, there is a no section right where she's not in... In like she's in every section and every scene of that movie, so imagine being told like you got to write that all for a million bucks. This is this is what you wanted. You wanted a million dollars. So James Cameron basically said, "Well, part of me doing this was that I was told that she was already kind of locked." So they kind of went back and forth, and Sigourney Weaver ended up getting a million dollars plus a percentage. So worked out to be about two point four million in today's dollars. I mean. It's not a ton of money, not for a studio and stuff like that. But like, again, it just, I just try and imagine aliens without Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley. Or imagine they had tried to like, just like cast somebody else. I think that would be even worse. I I agree. Now, do you think, what do you think of the franchise now? Like, can it, I guess. Are we including like. Like Alien versus Predator stuff. You are we, can, but are we talking about like Covenant and all this stuff yeah. that is the prequels and stuff? So let's say you're now Disney. What do you do with Aliens? Man, I don't know. I, I kind of wish that they would kind of go back and like maybe remake like Aliens three. Like, um, what's his name there that does Chappie? And... Neil. It was supposed to be five. What's that? 
Alien 5, Neil Bloomker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was also going to be kind of like Alien 3 because he was going to erase all that history. Like, And if yeah. you think like they did it with The Dark Knight and they've done it with tons of other franchises. Halloween. Recently. Halloween, yeah. Where you just go in and you're like, we're going to just pretend this doesn't exist in this canon, right? Mm. Um, I would love to see that. I mean, it's such a great concept, but like you got to fucking do it right. Like it, when it's cheesy or like I, I, the prequel stuff, like there's a whole, that's a whole other podcast, like to have that conversation. <laughs> um, I find it doesn't really move seamlessly. And again, I don't know if that's just because I didn't understand it. Like I'm not smart enough or maybe there's like a director's cut I didn't see. But I definitely had some like high expectations. I was like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. But isn't there supposed to be also like three other films that are prequels that would bring us up to kind of Alien? Well, I think it was supposed to be a trilogy. There's supposed to be one more after Covenant. Oh, one more total. Yeah. And then we would have Alien. And then we would have Alien. Yeah, to my knowledge, though, if it ever gets made. But I doubt it will because of how bad it is. I mean, you're you're Disney. You got tons of money. Just do it right. Please don't. Definitely don't go the Star Wars route again. That's for a whole other podcast. But I don't want to see the like a, a franchise like Alien get turned into just like, hey, can we sell toys and yada yada yada. Um, just get it. Bring in great directors, great writers, and you know you can move canon around. You can pull stuff out of canon. And if you're going to do it right, sure, why not? And if you're not, fucking leave it alone, man. <laughs> like it's dead and buried. Um, yeah. So is there anything else specifically that you want to talk about with this film before we get into kind of the trivia aspect? Ooh, trivia. Uh, no, I once met Lant, uh, Bishop. Oh, you met him? I met him 10 years ago. And how did that go? Very embarrassing. <laughs> did you like freak out and like fanboy or something? No, no. We were, I was at, um, a comic con and we we're going, we we're going out like up the escalator and I literally like. 30 minutes before that had a chili cheese hot dog. And then me and my buddy are talking and we looked behind us and he was behind us because he was there as a show. And then fuck, I let one go. It like total woof <laughs> right into his face. Right. And we just like look back and you can see it, but he was a gentleman, didn't say anything, mm -hmm. but fuck, we bolted out there. I'm like, fuck, I just farted in Bishop's face. <laughs> So speaking of Lance Hendrickson, uh, who obviously, yes, plays Bishop, the android on board the ship, uh, he met James Cameron working on Piranhas 2, which was kind of Cameron's big directorial debut, even though he didn't even start as the director. He started like as the FX director, and then there was an issue, and he stepped into that role. Um, he was actually who Cameron was considering so again, in the Terminator, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger, but originally it was Hendrix that was going to be the actor that played that role. Mm -hmm. So just imagine that difference of scale, you know what I mean? Yeah, which I think if you cast him, it would have been more, instead of sci-fi action, it would have been more sci-fi horror because you have a guy that isn't as intimidating as Arnold just well, walking you, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you think of like Terminator 2... The like Robert Patrick, yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's exactly it's almost like he got to do what he wanted to do with that style of Terminator and is just as deadly, or if not more so, because he doesn't stand out. And then obviously, he can you know become whatever he wants to become. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, some other interesting stuff. So Carrie Henn, who played Newt, uh, it was her first acting role. Uh, she 
ended up winning a Saturn Award for Best Young Actor, and then never acted again. Nope. <laughs> that was it. I guess, you know, leave on a high note. One and done. To my, I don't know, from what I read, I don't know if it's true or not, but she got picked off of, like, a school. Like, they just cat, like did a massive casting search, and they just found her, like, at a school. Her mom just took her or something like that. Yeah, so the, the you, you're pretty much right with that, is that I think her dad was, like, an American serviceman, so she was already over in England. And they had been trying to cast this character, and they had they kept getting these young kids in that had done lots of commercials. And so the issue was every time they would say a line, they would smile, right? And so, yeah, they managed to come across her at her, like, school or something like that. And she was just much more natural. And maybe it's because she hadn't done all that acting. Um, but, yeah, one, one, one big role, done. Now she's, like, a school teacher or something like that. <laughs> Um, do, 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 do. So, okay. So let's talk about Michael Bean. So, uh, he plays Corporal Hicks. Mm -hmm. He has, he had worked with Cameron on Terminator. He's worked with him obviously on Aliens. He was in the Abyss. He actually wasn't even supposed to be Corporal Hicks. It was supposed to be James Raymer from like Warriors and 48 Hours and stuff. And at the time when he was released from his contract, it was like artistic differences, da, da, da. But it turned out he just had like a really bad drug problem and had gotten basically picked up for a drug offense and Cameron had to replace him. Like I thought there's actually still a really small amount of footage. I think it's when they're, they're the, the Marines first show up and they're coming in where he's still the actor. No, actually, I think it's when they're in the reactor core because it was too expensive to reshoot it. Um, that it's still him and it's all shot from the back. But yeah, they had to they had to bring in um Michael Bean kind of at the last minute to replace him because he had all these like this drug problem or whatever. So it's <laughs> the first time I heard about that. <laughs> Go hit me. More trivia. Uh okay, well, I mean it's not so much really questions, but um so the actor that plays um Vasquez, Private Vasquez. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein. Uh, so there's a line, and I thought this was really interesting. So there's a line where uh, Hudson says, uh, which is Bill Paxton's character, says to her, you know, something along the lines of, you know, they said alien, and she thought they meant illegal aliens. Mm. So that's actually true. So the actor, uh, she when she was going to the audition, she thought that, because the casting notice said they wanted Americans or Canadian accents. So she thought that the movie was about foreigners living in England. Therefore, the movie Aliens was just about like foreigners. So I thought it was, you know, kind of interesting that Jim Cameron took that story and then actually worked it into dialogue. Or maybe it was just Bill Paxton uh, improv You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so what do you got? What do you got? Uh, Bill Paxton. Okay. Did you know he's the only actor to die by an alien? A predator and a terminator. Terminator one, predator two, and aliens. Oh, predator two. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's uh, that's interesting. I guess he's he's also actually passed away. Yes, but he's the only one to do it. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Aliens, you know, not did, you know, as you said, number five at the box office. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards, uh, including Best Actress, Best Original Score, 
best sound, best film editing, and best art direction. It won two awards for sound effects and visual effects. And Sigourney Weaver, this was her first Academy Award nomination. So what's interesting about the best original score is that when James Horner was working on the score, he basically had to finish the thing off in like four days or something like this because Cameron kept like doing reshoots and moving the thing around and moving things around. So he couldn't sit down and just like watch the movie and score it. So he had said to Cameron, listen, I kind of feel like this is only like 80%. And so his 80% still got an Academy Award nomination. So, you know, that's not bad. Just like imagine what it would have been if he got uh, 100%. Yeah. But there was so much tension with him and James Cameron that he thought he would never work with him again until James called him up and said, hey, do you want to work on a little film called uh, Titanic? Really? Yeah. Why the tension? Just because of the reshooting? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, so one of the things that came up is that Gail Ann Hurd, which was the producer and also James Cameron's wife at the time, they had never really worked with a lot of music in their films, especially scoring. So they just didn't get, like, I got to watch the film and then I got to sit down and I got to write a score that goes with this. So the fact that they kept, like, editing things right at the last minute, he basically had to, like... So the, the for example, the composition for when the alien queen comes out on the the landing deck and the dropship shows up and stuff he had to do that like the night before he basically got the 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 daily footage and had to like stay up all night and write that because he just had he couldn't get he could not get to see this film in order to score it properly and i mean again and he got himself an academy award nomination so that's not so bad he let the story out and people were like that's good (laughs) um so another interesting factoid with this film, because there's all kinds of amazing special effects, the hypersleep chambers, they couldn't afford to build the 12 or whatever they needed. So they used mirrors in order to make the four look like, and camera tricks to make it look like they actually had more hyper chambers than they actually had. Really? Yeah. This is, this is what happens when you do your, your homework, Scott. As, yeah. As you know these things. But question for you. Sure. In terms of story-wise, mm-hmm. watching the, the the chambers open for the first time. Yep. Why is everybody asking who Ripley is? You'd figure going on the ship, <laughs> flying out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to bed there, <laughs> they would have still closed. You, there would have been a conversation like, hey, who are you? Yeah, because there is that line like, who's Snow White or whatever. Yeah. But, but the pilot is is well aware it could be that they're grunts they, they just may not be privy to that information it's none of your business it's above your pay grade um actually so on that note the most of the cast who played marines spent two weeks doing a basic training mm-hmm. to give them some cohesion and stuff uh and they actually worked with two of the stunt guys that were ex sas guys so at special air service who had worked in northern ireland so they had like really really created this like very believable uh, Marine squad and uh, the actor that played Apone uh, is actually like a fairly famous African American Vietnam vet who was like the first African American to be field promoted to sergeant, you know, due to combat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he even says he's like, I think I only got cast because I was a vet kind of thing. Huh. So they were like this really, really, really tight organization, but. Uh, Sigourney Weaver and uh, Paul Reiser and the actor that played 
Lieutenant Gorman, they actually didn't go to do the basic training with them. Uh, for, because of, with Sigourney Weaver, it was mostly because she was filming two other films at the time. But what it did is it created this very much us-them mentality between the cast and the crew. You know what I mean? Yeah, which played on the video, like played in the movie, right? Because yeah, those are absolutely. the three that they're like, oh, he's coming in. Well, and again, again, it's sort of like, you know, we're all soldiers. We're in this together. And like the lieutenant's an idiot. There's the corporate guy. And then there's, you know, oh, she saw an alien, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, that's I think where the line comes out. Yeah. You know, Vasquez, you uh, you, you saw it. They said alien. And you they thought she, blah, blah, blah. Vasquez, <laughs> Vasquez heard, Vasquez heard they said alien. She thought they meant illegal alien or whatever. Yeah. My favorite line with her actually though is the like when uh, Hicks, is it Hicks or Hudson? It's Hudson. When Hudson says, uh, hey, Vasquez, has anyone ever uh, mistaken you for a man? And she's like, I don't know. Has anybody ever mistaken you for one or something yeah. like that? It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Do you have any lines specifically that you think uh, are super fun or what? Well, not just super fun, but there is one line that since I've watched it, I've never picked up on what they actually mean is when they're like, is this a bug hut? Right? Like, yeah. is this, like, do they know about the Z? Because they talk about, okay, there might be xenomorphic activities out there. So it makes it think like they've come across these before. So there's actually a very good answer for that. So if you read, if you've read Robert Heinlein's Starship Trooper, yeah, James Cameron based a lot of specifically that, actually, that specific term and some of the way that they uh, fight, they basically he pull, pulled right out of Robert Heinlein. And so that whole comment about being a bug hunt is directly out of Starship Trooper. So it's it's more a reference to hunting aliens in general. Remember, like, it's in, in that world, there, there is other alien species. They're just not all these crazy acid for blood xenomorphs, right? Is there other? Well, because remember, he's like, remember that uh, Artesian poontang? And he's like, yeah, but the one you had, that was a dude. And he's like, doesn't matter if it's like Arterian or whatever. So, like, there is other alien species that they come into contact with. See, for me, I always thought it was just like, this is no, like, this is the only other alien um, species. And it's always Earth going to terraformers. Like, and Arterian was just another planet with the. like families there and it's those daughters they're gonna go save from their virginity yeah 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 i mean you could be right like again you you it doesn't it doesn't get flushed out it's not a it's not a huge plot point that they really look at uh so basically what you're saying is this is the first alien light form in all the known worlds yeah. that they've come across see i always took that as this is the only life form as described like this but i mean you could be you could be right. It could be. Because you'd figure in every other alien movie another alien should show up. Except for Predator. I guess yeah, because there's Predator, Alien versus Predator. But we don't we don't know about the Predators necessarily at this point. No. So here's the big question. All you know, we've had a lot of like facts and stuff like that. What do you think of the movie? Like, do you like it? Yeah. What's your... This is my top five of all time favorites. Mm-hmm. The, like, I love this movie, right? And I think Literally, like, it, you can end it here. Like, you just go one, aliens, that's it, right? You don't need to go anywhere else because no one's able to replicate what 
Cameron's done. Well, and even off the top of your head, like if you were to have a, th- a proper three, like where do you go from it? Like was Newt implanted? Like oh, Sigourney Weaver was three? never there in a in a, there was never a situation where Sigourney Weaver's character or uh, Corporal Hicks. So like, how do you how do you have a three? Right? The aliens shot out of the thing again. Mm-hmm. You know, aliens and uh, airlocks don't go together so well. So if if you're gonna go like Halloween method, where it's just one two, and then where would you go next? Yeah, sure, whatever. All right, you go. You go to the alien homeworld with Ripley, with Hicks, and with New, with the bunch of fucking Marines. Which... So basically, but we don't know where the alien homeworld is. There have to be somewhere, right? There's, it's gonna have to be somewhere, right? You gotta find it. I mean, that's what I mean. that's what I mean. Like you gotta go to where it's the one place they've ne- you've every alien movie that yeah. they've done. It's always that egg in another environment but there has to be an environment that's of origin well in in uh finchner's three how does the alien is it how did the alien get there did it stow away oh it's apparently the queen laid the egg on the ship on the ship before she came out yeah but everything's in hypersleep right in which the alien broke in and but then, that movie doesn't really count, though, right? Yeah, like, I have to go back and watch that. Well, that and that's not what Fishner originally wanted. Like, he even said if he ever had to do the movie, like, a director's cut, he would have to actually reshoot the whole thing. Reshoot the thing because they, he never got to do exactly the, what he wanted, yeah. right? Um, what's your favorite scene? Like, what's your favorite section? My favorite scene? Well, like, two is the one where she comes, she realizes about her daughter dying right like that emotion her rubbing her hand onto the picture like seeing her daughter technically as an old lady or like knowing what she missed out like you felt it and then the other one is when um bill paxton goes down and he's just shooting down like fuck you guys and that alien hand comes up and he's yeah. like ah yeah. so i actually yeah my uh I like, for some reason, I really like when the drop ship first drops out of the Sulaku. And it's like, they're like, woo, it's like sex in a car crash. Like, it's just so exciting. Um, and then, yeah, that scene in the med lab when they're like, beep, 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 beep. Like, you know, they're inside the perimeter. You're reading it wrong. And in the, in the director's cut, you have those sentry guns that are just like, boom. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Hicks climbs up. And, and you see off. them just like coming towards him and he, he falls and he starts shooting and then it's just like carnage, right? <sighs> like so action-packed and just like, like you feel like cued right up. Like you're, you're like, how are they getting out of this? How are they getting out of this? Um, and actually when I watched it today, the scene where they're basically going through the air shafts or whatever and they're trying to get away. Like I've seen this movie countless times and you're still like, boom 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 and we're like when newt's in the water yeah. and they're trying to cut it and they're trying to cut it and that alien just comes up behind her behind the water i like that one too oh it's so good um i mean that's kind of all for me man that's all i've got unless there's uh anything else you want to talk about no we're good so we both agree we both like this movie 
Yeah, this Aliens Aliens is a fantastic film. It's got uh, to me, it's it's still not a perfect film, uh, mostly because for me to have to for a film to be perfect in my world, it, it not it needs to have a scoring, but it also has to have like great music supervision, and it doesn't have any contemporary music in it. But I mean, the script is great. The effects are. The, that's actually a question I have. How do you feel about the so this 1986? This thing would have been like one of the most amazing FX-driven films. How do you feel it stands up today? I think it still stands up good. Like, I had my kids who've never seen it before, and they they thought it was CG. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's guys in suits. So that alien queen stood 14 feet tall. It took 18 people to use it. It was basically like a giant puppet. Hmm. And when... Any camera work you see with the alien queen is the alien queen physically acting with the camera, just like an actor, which is mind-blowing when you think about that. Like, the amount of work. And James Cameron came actually up. So, H.R. Giger is the one who did the original alien design. Mm -hmm. And James Cameron basically was like, eh, I'm going to design the alien queen myself. He made some small changes and stuff like that. And I think he did a fantastic job. With the forehands? What's that? The forearms? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a fantastic film. It's got, like I said, it's got uh, great special effects, great acting, great dialogue, and still so, so watchable. Yeah, it doesn't lose anything, even though it's, what, fuck, 30? How old? Fucking 30, 35, 35 years old, or 34 years old. And it still has a... I think it has oh, a in the 90s. 97 or something like that. Are you going Rotten Tomatoes? I can just Google it. Yeah, I had written it down here. I just don't. I got to get an old. I can't see the small. <laughs> oh, yeah, here it is. So it's got an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb. And it is on their. It's number 73 on their list of top 250 movies. Ooh, and 97. as of this writing, it was a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. A 94 by audience. And 94 by audience. So, like you said, for a 30-some-odd-year-old 30, 30 movie, that's not too bad. No, no. So, that's our show for Aliens on How'd You Like That Movie? And so, Scott, how'd you like that movie? I answered the fucking question already. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I had fun, and I hope my wife lets me come out again to do this. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions. <laughs>